Today, we are in our second week of studying Elijah. If you were with us last week, I want to um, apologize to you. Because afterwards, I, I listen to my messages afterwards before we upload them onto the, onto the internet. And I listened to myself and I said some things that were a little on the, a little bit, um, could have been taken harshly. Uh, and that was a lot, because if you remember last week when I opened up, I talked about being 35 in a couple of weeks and how my life is half over. And, um, and then for those of you who are over 35, I said, I'm sorry to all of you old people. And that, that, those are the words that came out of my mouth. And that did not... That did not sound right when I was listening to it. It sounded a lot better when I was standing up here, apparently. And um, so I need to apologize, first of all, for that, that it was not... Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Some of you might not have heard it. Who knows? But, um, you know... (laughs) Okay, now I've got to go back and apologize for that, too. No. um, When I was looking at it, I didn't mean it in any sort of negative way. I wanted to say, we don't know how much time we have left, so we've got to stop making excuses and, and live for Christ and, and do the same thing that, that we saw in Elijah's life. And that's how I got it all started. Now this week, I have something else that I'd like to tell you about that kind of links last week, all the things that Elijah did as a man, uh, as a man he became, and then it kind of links together this week in seeing as he went before the Lord in prayer to bring back the rain. And that is this. It's a, it's a story, and it may or may not be true. I'm not 100% sure, but it has some good points to it. Um, there's this bird that was flying home, uh, for, flying south for the winter. And he got a little bit of a late start. And while he got a little bit of a late start, he got caught up in a snowstorm. And this snowstorm kept pelting and kept pelting and kept pelting him until his wings froze, and he crashed to the ground in the snow. And he laid there on the ground, and all he could think about was, could this get any worse? Lying here, dying, all by myself, in the middle of a place I don't know, in the middle of a snowstorm. Right then, a cow comes up and takes a dump on him. And he goes, oh, things can get worse. And as he's sitting there, all of a sudden he starts to realize that he's starting to get warm. And he's starting to be able to move his wings. And as he's starting to be able to move his wings, he starts chirping, saying, thank you, God, for bringing this to me. I'm so excited. And as he's chirping, he's making all kinds of noise, a cat comes up and eats him. The moral of the story is this, is first of all, when somebody dumps on you, it's not always, they're not always your enemy. When somebody helps you out of the dump, they're not always your friends. And when you're in the middle of the dumps, keep your mouth shut, okay? That is, that is the lesson, that is the lesson for today. I want you to take that, you'll probably not think of anything else, remember anything else that I talk about today, but that is something I want you to walk away with. And you might think, how does that have anything to do with what we're going to talk about today? And this is exactly it. I think that that's what Elijah had. He thought that when he got cut off last week, we talked about how he got sent to the Kareth Ravine, he got cut off from everything and everyone. And a lot of people might complain about that. A lot of people might think that's a bad thing to be in the middle of. You know, we don't even know what he did the whole time he was there. I want you to think about it because we read it literally in a verse and saw that he had been cut off until God said, okay, it's time for you to move, and now you're going to move and go move in with this widow. It was a, it was a verse, it was two verses in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17. We see it that quickly. But you have to remember something here. He was at a ravine. A babbling brook was going through for months. In the morning, he had ravens that would drop off food to him. In the evening, he'd have ravens drop off food to him. I don't know about you, 
But what in the world took place at that ravine for months? Because I know some of you would just die to have some peace and quiet. Some of you would just love that opportunity. But no matter what, I think, I know myself, about an hour of it, I'm good. I've got to go do something else. Okay? Because my time, my time, it's got to happen. For some of you, not hearing, mom, 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 you'd be so excited to be there with no noise, no iPod, no cell phone, nothing. Just quiet and the sound of water. But I have a feeling that after a while, it might get a little weird. As a matter of fact, what I want to do is I want to take about 30 seconds. About 30 seconds. I want it to be completely quiet. Let's hit the lights. We're going to sit by a babbling brook for 30 seconds and just feel it. like an eternity, didn't it? (laughs) Can you imagine? That was 30 seconds. That was 30 seconds. There's this strangeness that that had to have come over. I mean, he, he sat there for months next to this. What did he do? Well, we we learned from the bird, you you need to keep your mouth shut. But did, did he take time because he had been cut off or because he was in a place that he wasn't familiar with to complain and to whine. There wasn't anybody to talk to, really. I mean, when the ravens came, did he whine to them? Guys, seriously, just stay for a little bit. I've got to tell you what's going on here. You know, I mean, what was, what was going on with him? What was going on during this time? I mean, we just spent 30 seconds. We live in a noisy, busy world. But what did he do there for months? And could we do it? I think what he did, and this is just my opinion because there's no actual record of it, but I think what he did is he learned to sit and be quiet and listen and talk and communicate with God. Because I'd be willing to bet, because I I can bet it on my own life 100%, to sit and to listen and to be quiet and communicate with God consists of about 30 seconds before I fall to sleep. How many of you guys have that tendency to maybe pray before bed and you start kind of nodding off just a little bit? And you start going this way and then you start going that way and you're like, well, God, I really seriously, you know, we start doing those kind of things. In a second here, we're going to watch a video that, that kind of explains some of the way that we pray. But I think what happened with Elijah here is he really learned how to pray. I would love to be able to stand up here and say that I am some sort of spiritual giant and that I get into my word every day and I get real deep and I get real excited and then I get down on my knees and I pray for an hour. I would love to be able to say that. And maybe there's somebody in here that's like that and I am thoroughly impressed. But what I can say is I'm easily distracted. And 
I try and start things, and my ADD kicks in, and I start doing something else, and then I remember that I forgot to do this, and I go back to this, and then I remember that I was actually in the middle of praying at one point in time, so I go back to that. And then uh, maybe I'm describing your path of your prayer life, that you'll pray throughout the day, but you started on the same prayer about two hours ago, and you're, you're almost done with it, and it's not that you've been praying for that full two hours. Our prayer is the conversation with God. Our prayer is us talking to Him. Our prayer is us listening to Him. Not just constantly throwing things in, but stopping and listening. And how many of us can say that we have stopped and listened? Watch this video if you would, please. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight and I just start talking to God. Just me and God, tell Him everything. <sighs> Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am, just laying in bed, laying out my request to Him and He's hearing me and I know that I'm in good company with Him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee, how now? Brown cow, oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you, God. I want, I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and loved and... Peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bits. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus, and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs. And that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps. And she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. 
God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs. And be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I, I've blown it so many times today, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. You know, as we, as we look at that, we all have a tendency to do those exact same things. We go to God as, as the heavenly Santa Claus, expecting... Because it says in the Bible that we're, if we expect it, we should get it. And we take those kind of verses and we kind of twist them just a little bit. But I love what he did there at the end and just reworded the Lord's Prayer. Because I don't know how many of you guys grew up like I did, but I was taught to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And you, you said it when there was a time that you had to go to God and that was it. You, that was how you communicated and it was just... Our Father who art in heaven, don't even know who art is or anything like that. But you would say that, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Didn't even understand that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, because we use thy in all of the things that we say. You know, we use that in regular conversation with our friends. You know, uh, there's all these things you think about, and, and when we go to it, we, we just say it in a rote sort of way, that this is something that we've memorized. This is something that we, this is what we're supposed to do. But if you ever went to your friend and talk to them in a memorized conversation, they would think there was something wrong with you. I would think there was something wrong with you. And so why would God not think there's something wrong with us when we just go to Him? He gave us an example of prayer, and we took that to the next level to say, this is how you have to pray. We tend to pray to God with these little prayers when we actually do go to Him. We pray these small things and say, God, you know, can you help me with this? Would you help me with this? Could you... Would you? But if, as we look at Elijah today, as we get into the Word today in 1 Kings 18, you will see that he does not go to God in some light-hearted manner. He goes to God humbly, yes, but he does not go to Him in some way that says, well, you know, God, if you think you have the time, it, it, is, it is straightforward. Do me a favor and open up your books, uh, your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start out in verse 41. See, we're going we're gonna to look back just a, just a few seconds into what we did last week. And we see that Elijah really does some great things. And he shows some great qualities in an effective prayer. And we know that after last week, if you were here with us last week, we know that Elijah went before, um, went before all of the kingdom of Israel. And he stood before King Ahab and his wife. And he said, listen... If your God is God, 
then you do this. And if my God is God, then I'll do this. And we're going to have this little showdown on Mount Carmel. We're going to both prepare bulls. And you have your 850 prophets get together. They're going to do their song and dance. And they're going to slash themselves until the blood flows. And they're going to do all these things. And as they're doing it, um, I'm going to give you your opportunity. And then I'm going to have my opportunity. We're going to call down some fire from God. And whoever answers by fire, that's the God that it's going to be. And we see that Elijah prays. An amazing prayer. And when that prayer goes out, we see that the fire from God, from heaven, comes down, takes care of everything that is there, and at the same time, all hearts that see it are changed. Because what happens? The people get down on their face and they say, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And this is where we pick it up in verse 41. Verse 41, if you would with me, it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground, and he put his face between his knees. This is the same Elijah that just blew Israel's mind. Because he stood up in front of them and did some amazing things. And everybody's like, whoa. That guy's got some power. And how easy would it have been for him to take that and say, yeah, look what I did. Look at me. I got stuck in a ravine for months, and then I had to live with a widow for months. And finally, I got to show all of that. He could have had that sort of ego and that sort of presentation, but instead, what's he do? He climbs up to the top of the mountain, now, it's not a huge mountain. It's not like he had to climb up to the top of the Sandias or anything like that. It's a, Mount Carmel's about 1,800 feet. But still, at the same time, he goes to the top of this mountain with his servant, and he gets down on his face. I mean, picture that for a second. Gets down on his face to pray before God. When was the last time that you or I when we went to God in prayer, literally got down on our face, put our face between our knees and prayed. I don't even think I can put my face between my knees. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think the flexibility is there. I think I might lose consciousness if I tried to do that. I mean, if you really think about it, when was the last time we did something like that? When was the last time we humbled ourselves? See, that is the first quality of an effective prayer. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. He gets down on his face before God. It's not your typical everyday prayer here. As a matter of fact, he was down at the base of the mountain with all these people who thought he was pretty amazing. And he wanted to say, hey, you know what? Let me show you something else here. Hey, God, bring the rain. You know, he could have done something like that and been like a Las Vegas show guy. You know, and, oh, look at all this raining guys. Oh, man, this guy's awesome. And it, he could have taken all that. But instead, he goes away from everybody else. Not with everybody else. Away from everybody else. Takes a little bit of effort to get there. And he gets down on his face before God. Why? Well, number one, because he realized he couldn't do it. He realized how insignificant he really was. How inadequate he really was. And not only did he realize that, but he realized who God was in all of this. The funny thing is, is as we meet next week, 
We're going to see a change in Elijah's life where that changes a little bit, and he really gets depressed. As a matter of fact, he runs away, and he calls on God to kill him. Just make me die. And it's, it's amazing to see the transformation as all this takes place. But at this point in time, he gets down on his face before God and realizes and says, God, I am not capable of any of this, but you, God, are fully capable of all of this. And as he does that, as he gets down on his face, he says, God, you're the God who stopped the rain. You're the God who brought fire down from heaven. You're the God who fed me with ravens. You're the God that when I was with the widow, kept the flour and oil flowing. You are the God who changed people's hearts back to you. Now I'm calling on you. You, that one true God, to bring back the rain. That's what I'm calling on you to do. It's funny because you think of the book of Elijah, or I mean, you think of the book of 1 Kings and you see Elijah. One of my favorite books in the Bible to read is, is James. And I think part of it is, is just because it's so practical. And it so much slaps me in the face when I get, get out. But you see here, if you ever read through the book of James, I think one of his favorite characters of the Old Testament was Elijah because there's so many things that parallel here. As a matter of fact, if you look at Elijah 5.17, it said, uh, sorry, James 5.17, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man just like us. And if you look at ch- in chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, here's, or 6 and 10, you see it says, God appro- opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. That is a promise. God will lift you up if we, what? Humble ourselves. Humility is not something that we deal with very well. Myself, hugely, okay? I was actually afraid I was going to have to use this point this morning that I had to humble myself and eat pie or that humble piece of pie talking about how the Falcons beat the Packers last night. I, I was really afraid of that. I actually was sick to my stomach. Well, what kind of razzing am I going to get if they lose? You know, all these things were going through my mind. And I'm like, I wish they'd just lose so we can just move on with this and I don't have to worry about getting razzed anymore. You know, you Cowboys fans, you remember that back like week five. Remember that? Um, you were done. It didn't matter anymore, right? Right, Tim? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, there's, we don't deal with humility well. We don't deal with putting people in front of ourselves well. And as we look at it and as we see it, he says if we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up. First thing we need to do is we need to come humbly before God. The second thing is, is effective prayers are specific prayers. We need to come humbly and we need to be specific. When was the last time when you prayed you were specifically praying for something? Or do we just keep it real broad, real general? Say, well, God's, you know, he might be able to answer this, he might not be able to. But, you know, when it's specific, we see the results, whether it's a yes or a no or a maybe later. We see that. How many times do we come before God? Not the, God be with us. God, give me strength. God, help us. Not that. The specific prayer. Look how Elijah approached him. He approached him while he was up on that mountainside, 
verse 43, it doesn't give the specific prayer, but I bet we can guess what he's praying about. Because what's he tell his servant to do in verse 43? He tells his servant to go and look towards the sea to see the rain. So you know he's specifically praying to God, saying, God, you did everything else, now I need you to bring the rain. Now I need you to fulfill your promise that you had said long ago, three years almost, bring the rain. James 4, 2, and 3 tells us there's power in a specific prayer. It says this, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You don't have, or you do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. And that, you maybe spend what you have on, and get on your own pleasures. There is power in being specific. And as you look at this verse, you also see there's power in being humble. And not asking for yourself and asking for those things. This is the dumbest thing ever, but I'm going to share it with you anyway because I'm just, you know, that's, it tells you who I am and where I came from. I remember when I was in high school, I had a 65 Mustang and it wasn't like, ooh, 65 Mustang. No, this was like, there was holes in the floor where you could actually see the road um, as you were driving. You know, it had been rotted out and rusted out and um, I remember as I was in the process of, of putting it back together and, and build, rebuilding it and doing all the things, and I'm by no means any sort of mechanic, so don't hear that and be like, oh, good, he can help me change my alternator. I couldn't even find your alternator, okay? Um, the, uh, the whole thing is, is as I was going through it, all I really, really wanted in it was a loud sound system. And it was funny because uh, Audio Express had this commercial and it used to say, if, you're, if your car's making lots of noise, get a louder stereo. And that was, that was my car. It made lots of noise. So I'm like, I just needed a louder stereo so I couldn't hear it. And I used to pray to God. God, just bless me with a big stereo for my car. That's all I want. I wanted a cassette player because they didn't have CD players at that point in time. I wanted something that could play it loud and it could make all sorts of noise. And I promised God that if he did, that I'd play Christian music on it. Sounds dumb, doesn't it? Sounds dumb. Sometimes you can be honest that you've had dumb prayers just like that. Or we're worried about ourselves and worried about those kind of things. But if we come humbly before God and we are specific with what we're asking, things will happen. But the funny thing is, is as you look at verse 43 in 1 Kings 18, did something happen on the first time he prayed and told the servant to go look? No. Did something happen on the second? No. Something happened on the third? No. Something happened on the fourth? You'd hope so by then, right? Nope. Fifth or sixth? No. How did it even get to the fifth or sixth? Would you have stopped by that point in time? Okay, God must not care. He must not want to do this for me right now. That would seem like the proper response. That would seem like the right answer because, I mean, he's been praying a lot. And the servant's probably like, yeah, seriously, there's still nothing. Will you just stop sending me? But on the seventh, on the seventh prayer, we see something happen. And that is why the third point here is effective prayers are persistent prayers. Effective prayers are persistent prayers. Because we really don't even know what Elijah was praying each time. Every time the servant came back and said, nothing yet, what did he say? 
Did he say something different? Did he say, come on, God, just show him your God. You know, start whining. What, what did he do? How did he do it? How did he come across? What would you do in that situation? Sometimes we need to be specific. We need to be humble. And we need to be persistent. Because even our simple prayers, even our specific par- prayers, whatever it is, when we don't get the, an answer, we think that God's not listening. And the Bible says that God is listening. God is listening to us. The thing is, I think we don't understand, is God either says yes, He says no, or He says maybe later. Just be patient with me. And Elijah realized this. And that's why he went to him seven times. And on the seventh time, on the seventh time, something amazing happens. A cloud the size of a fist shows up on the horizon. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, when you're praying for rain, a cloud the size of the fist is an answer to prayer. I mean, hold your fist up. Yeah, a cloud that size showed up on the horizon. Yeah, I think, I think uh, that's, a, that's a fist out there. Yeah, that, that's about right. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The persistent prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. That's what that verse is saying. What have you given up for or given up on and stopped asking God for? What is that one thing that has been eating at you for so long and you've been begging God? God, will you just please answer this? Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe there's a struggle in your marriage that you are just begging God. Maybe it's your finances and begging God to answer. I don't know what. But the thing is, is have you given up? Because God hasn't. God has not given up on you, and God has not given up on your prayer request. Persistence. Persistence prevails. I want to ask you to continue to pray. And you know what? It may not be the answer that you're wanting, and it may not be the answer that you're looking for. But He will answer you. And He will answer you clearly, and he'll, you'll see it, and something will happen. And it may not be a huge answer, just like this. But we see something as we see that not only was Elijah humble and specific, and then he comes across with this whole idea of persistence and continuing to pray. When that small cloud pops up, how does Elijah respond? Look at verse 44 and 45. It says, The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. An effective prayer is an expectant prayer. An effective prayer, the final point, is an expectant prayer. I am telling you that if I were out in the middle of the wilderness and I'm out just taking pictures of things that are going on and in the process of it I see this small cloud the size of a man's hand pop up on the horizon 
and I take a picture of it, and I send it to Mark Ronchetti over at Channel 13. I say, hey, Mark, what's the bus potential on this bad boy? What do you think he's going to answer me? He's going to be like, will you stop wasting my time with clouds the size of a man's hand? But what does Elijah say? Better tell the king to get moving because this rain is coming. And not only is it coming, he's not going to be able to get off this mountain if he doesn't get out of here right now. That is expectancy. You think a servant was like, um, what is, did you see the, come here, let me show the size of the cloud. I don't, I don't think we need to be, but what happens next? Verse 45, it says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. Tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Why did the rain come? Why did the rain come? Because Elijah believed and God moved. Elijah believed and God moved. You know, how often do we pray to God, but we really don't mean it? Or we go to Him, what we would consider humbly, but really it's just weekly. And I don't mean W-E-E, I mean W-E-A. We just come to him this week, eh, you know, God, trust in the power of the Lord. And I'm not saying trust in the power of the Lord for him to get you a Rolls Royce. I mean, if that were the case, I'd be praying real, real hard. But that's not it. He's saying, understand what my will is and pray that my will can be done through you. And that's in your marriage, and that's in your finances, and that's in your school time, and that's with your friends and your family who don't know Christ. Pray. Pray for them. Always be praying, knowing that God is working. Bill, can I put you front and center for two seconds? Ten years ago, you don't have to get up. I'm just asking if I can ask a question. Ten years ago, would you have seen yourself sitting in a church and preparing two weeks from now to be baptized? Probably not. But I know lots of people prayed for you. And I can see God has done some amazing things in you and brought you to this point. I'm not saying that God wouldn't have done it if people have been praying for you, if people weren't praying for you, but you know what? God hears the prayers, the persistent prayers of an effective righteous person. I think our prayer life is a lot like even how we approach our worship songs. I think our prayer life is a lot like how we just come before God flippantly sometimes on Sunday mornings, and I am 100% guilty of that on any morning. Just, yeah, I'm here. This is my thing. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go home. But, you know, I think and Scott and I really didn't sit down and talk about a song list this morning or anything like that, but there's some songs that we sang this morning. And, and uh, there's that one, and I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm just a terrible singer, but it just says, Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. I'll find myself singing to myself, of course, in the shower in the morning that very song because there's days that are just not good. There are days that I wake up and it's just... I don't really want to deal with today. You know, my wife's not here this morning because she's sick. Peyton's not here this morning because he has pneumonia. You know, those are things that when you start thinking about those things, even if the Packers had lost last night, 
it doesn't really matter. What matters is, is health for your family, you know, things that really matter. There's things that we, we, we put a lot of focus on, but we forget about the big things in life. We just come before God in this, eh, you know. Eh. And another song, though, that we sang this morning that uh, Scott and I did talk about, uh, and this was after he'd already put it together, but was Blessed Be Your Name. Have you ever really listened to the words to that song? Let me, let me read them for you here real, real quick because I want you to think about them. And then I'm going to have you do, or Scott and I are going to have you do a little, little project this morning. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. But verse 2 says, Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Can you imagine Elijah while he's sitting by the brook thinking about the words here? This is a prayer that he is saying out to him. That he is throwing out to God saying, God, I was in a great place just a a few days ago and now you've moved me to this middle of nowhere cut off ravine. I'm all by myself. But I can still say even though I'm out here in this desert place with nothing but a brook and some ravens, but I can still bless your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. I mean, what do we assume is a blessing? The good stuff, right? But every blessing you pour out, or you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, when those blessings are taken away, or what we consider to be blessings, Lord, I still will say, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next verse will say, Blessed be your name when the sun is shining down on me and the world's all as it should be. You know, everything's good. Of course I can say, yeah, God's good. But then in verse 4, Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. I don't know where you're at. Right here, right now. It could be a daily thing. It could be a monthly thing. It could be one of those things. This already hasn't been a good year or it's been a great year. I don't know. But what I want to do this morning, what I want to, to have even Scott help out with is we're going to throw up our babbling brook here in a couple of minutes. But before that, we're going to pass out a sheet that looks like this. And it's got the words to the song on one column, and on the other column, it's got blanks. Because what I want you to do today, um, we have pens and these papers coming around. What I want you to do today is I want you to look at this song. And as we think about prayer... And as we think about when we go to God, and we sometimes just come specifically, or I mean, uh, you know, not specifically, when it's just real, random, wide, broad, I want to be specific. When we sing this song, what do those words mean to you? What does it say, blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful? Well, you know what, we don't have a lot of farmers in here, so that might not relate real well. What is a time when your land is plentiful? Blessed be your name when my bank account's full. Blessed be your name when I have all my bills paid this month. I don't know what it is. As we read through it, as you read through it, make it a personal, specific song. Make it something specific, and we're going to actually just have it be quiet in here, and just the babbling brook. Just like as Elijah sat and learned to communicate with God, We're going to make it quiet in here. You have about four or five minutes. I think that's all the longer the video is. 
I want you to think about these words and write down what it means to you.